Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Father, to worship you. Father, we thank you and praise you for everything that you've done for us. And Father, we pray that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. Uh, so the class was, uh, the teacher was talking to the class and, and they were talking about heaven. And um, so this little boy started asking questions. So the, the teacher asked him, well, what do you call a woman in heaven? And he said, an angel. And he said, well, what do you call a group of women in heaven? And he said, a host of angels. And she said, well, what do you call if all the women were in heaven? And he said, thought for a second, and said, peace on earth. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to catch it. It's all good. All right, so let me tell you, I, um, I had this whole thing planned out from last week's sermon to this week's sermon that it was going to go together and mesh and all of that, and it was going to be great. And I prepared that sermon all week, all week. Um, it ain't this week. It ain't this week's sermon. I got up this morning, and it's completely different. I started from scratch. So what we're going to talk, but it still revolves around this, and I guess I just missed it. So we'll, um, we'll catch up. But what we're going to talk about is time. And, you know, we, the older you get, you say that the days are long, but the years are short, right? And I used to hear people say that in, in Talking about the twins, I can remember them being, you know, this big, and they graduated from high school in a month, and and, it, and time moves fast, right? So, it it begs the question of, if you knew how much time you had left, what would you do, right? Which leads me to that other joke, right? And the guy was at a Bible study and said, if you had a week to live, what would you do? Y'all remember that joke? And everybody answered theirs, well, I would travel, well, I would do this, well, I would do that. When the last guy said, I would go to my mother-in-law's house. And he said, really, for a week you would go to your mother-in-law's house? He said, yeah, it would be the longest week of my life. And his <laughs> life would be postponed. But, but we, here we are, not you, Miss Rourke, it was, it was not me, it was somebody else. Here we are, in, 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 and if we go back a week, right, and, and the Passover's getting ready to happen, Jesus knows what's getting ready to happen. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to be separated from God. All the stuff we talked about last week. He knew in time, in real time, on this planet, he only had a couple of days. And so what I want to do is focus on what he did there in those first couple of days, and then we're going to talk about what we should be doing better. So if you will, turn with me to the gospel, and I don't remember which gospel I ended up with. I think it's Mark again, because, nope, it's John. The, the Gospel according to John. In, the, in chapter 13, and I'm going to start with the first verse. And it was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved him to the end, and the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Jesus, Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, and he took off his outer garment, and he wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured the water in the basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So... Right up until the moment he was getting ready to leave the planet, Jesus served. He, he, I mean, 
the creator of the universe kneeled down on his hands and knees, right, and, and washed his disciples' feet. Now, if you, oh, Steve, Stephen left? Where in the world? Stephen's wearing some Air Jerusalem, so you notice his shoes are wide open, right? These guys wore open-toe shoes, right? And they walked in the dirt constantly, in the mud, in the trash. So you can imagine how clean their feet were. Probably real clean, right? I mean, we wear socks and shoes, and I don't want to wash them people over there's feet. Whoo, boy, they're, they're playing ball. Them bad, those bad feet. Them's tough. But, but the, the, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, when knowing he only had a couple of days left, he knelt down on the ground, right, before dinner, and he washed their feet. And he, he goes on to tell them that, that the greatest of the people here are the people who serve. It's the people who serve other people. And he came here not to be served, but to be a servant, right? To show God's love through his actions of what he did. So he, he, he got down on his hands and knees, and he washed their feet, one at a time. Now, I mean, I thought about this and trying to do this in real life, but I don't think we could do it. We'd spill water on the carpet, and it'd be bad. But I mean, can you imagine the process it takes to wash somebody's dirty, nasty feet that's been walking around in the dirt constantly. I mean, this was not just a, oh, hey, look, you're clean. This took some time, right? I mean, he, 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 he spent some time and effort on doing each person's feet, all of the disciples, right? Okay, so what else did he do? Uh, we will go back to the gospel according to Mark. I like Mark's version of all of that. Um, chapter 14, I got the mark in the wrong spot. Twenty-two, um, and while they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. See, we, we think about that, like, how did he do it? He broke the bread and he ate and then, no, he broke the bread and then he gave a peach to each disciple, right? He, he, he served, he constantly served, he, he was giving them their bread first, right? And it, Two days left, now when we get to eating dinner, it's really like less than 36 hours or so, maybe 48 hours left on the planet, right? And we serve, we wash their feet. We feed them bread, we pour them wine, he tended to them. I mean, you know, if you were in the last two days of your life, what would you be doing? You know, skydiving, you know, that probably wouldn't be a good idea. Probably if you had a week left to live and you skydived on the first day and died, you'd be like, doggone it, I cheated myself six days right there. No, what would you do? I mean, most people, right? If you're young and dumb, you talk about traveling and eating and drinking and going and doing. If you're old, you think about having your family around you and spending quality time with them and talking to them, right? And, and, and what Jesus was doing was preparing the gospel. He was preparing his disciples to understand that even in the worst situation possible, we are here to serve, right? The body of Christ is here to serve the world. So he washed their feet. He prepared their meal. He didn't prepare it, but he served their meal. He poured their wine, and he told them, this is my body, which is broken for you, right? Take, eat, right? That's what he did. And this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many. 
Truly I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I have drink it new in the kingdom of God. So he was preparing them to understand that he's getting ready to leave, right? I mean, it's still all in the same thing, but it's just a different aspect of what took place. In the last hours on the planet, he chose to serve. And then, after supper, what does he do? Everybody knows? Uh, verse 32, we'll stay in the chapter of 14. Verse 32, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to be deeply distressed, right? So his last acts on the planet as a free man, he washed feet, he served bread, and he prayed. Now I'm going to tell you, if you can get to the last hours of your life on this planet, and you can serve the leaders of God's church that's coming, feed them, and spend the next night praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, you will have an, have an exceptional life, right? An exceptional life. But that's what Jesus was focused on in his time that he had. I mean, the, the, the first 30 years of his life is not very documented after he was about 8 years old, from 8 to like 29 or so. It's not very documented. From 30 to 32 and a half, 3, he preached the gospel. He went about doing good. He healed the sick. He, he cleansed the lepers. He, he made the blind um, see. He walked on the water. He preached grace. He preached love. I mean, he had had a fantastic life. But in the last two days, he spent his time ministering and teaching, not to vast crowds, right? He didn't speak to vast crowds, but he spent a lot of time. If you go to the Gospel according to John 13, 14, 15, all of those chapters are written. He is talking to his individual disciples. He is spending time with the people that are closest to him, and he is preparing them to go out and do his work into the world, right? So in this time that he's in, he is trying really hard to prepare those folks to go forward. Now, I mean, you know, he tells Peter he's going to deny him, and he tells Judas to do what he's got to do. I mean, he understands what's taking place, but the time that's spent is spent serving and praying and worshiping God. All right? So what do we know about time? Well, we know some stuff about time. Um, you know, Mama likes to tell me that, you know, like she was telling me that I can't remember what she said not so long ago, but it was like, you know, they were like 70, but they weren't old or something like that, right? And, and, and you know, and compared to like dirt and trees and rocks and stuff, 70 is probably not old compared to humans. That's getting up there a little bit, right? It just is. I'm not being negative. I'm just saying what I'm saying. So First Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter, uh, chapter 3, verse 8. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. For the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. But instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So we, we talked last week a lot about salvation, right? We talked about the, the, the price that Jesus paid to buy us salvation and to buy us a part of the new covenant, which was what I was supposed to preach on this Sunday, right? Is the new covenant, all the benefits of the new covenant. But somehow this time keeps getting stuck in my spirit, right? And a lot of times, we think we have time. Now, Jesus knew for certain he had two days. There was no question. 
He knew what was getting ready to happen. He, he knew, he says in the gospel according to John, that he was going to enjoy the splendor and the glory that was predetermined before time started, right? He knew what was going to happen. He had known for millennia what was going to take place. But we, we do not have that option. Most folks, most folks don't have that option. Most folks don't know, like, you know, uh, let's, let's go to James. <clears throat> James chapter 4. And uh, we'll say 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this city or to that city and, city and we'll spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why do you... Why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? Well, what is your life but a mist as it appears for a little while and then vanishes? Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this and do that. So our time on earth, very, very short. And as we get closer and closer to when Jesus is coming back, you know, Mama in the, in the Christmas tablecloth i mean we don't know if jesus is coming back tomorrow or next week or 10 years or 100 years we're not smart enough to know that in fact jesus said not even the angels know but i know we only have a little bit of time on the planet so as we grow and develop into who we're supposed to be in god we have to get to the place of where we quit procrastinating see i didn't tell y'all it was going to be a fun message it's just the message that i'm supposed to preach we have to get to the point to where we quit procrastinating. Time is short on this planet. Whether it's, I mean, and you could say, well, my time's not short. I'm young. I got a long time. What you got, 50 years, 60 years, 70 years? I bet you talk to some of the folks in here and tell you 70 years goes by pretty quick. 50 years goes by real quick. 17 blinked. In 2000, May the 15th, 2004, I had two little tiny little munchkins that had their skin was too big for their body it looked like they had clothes on that need, needed to be steamed or pressed their, their skin was too big they were wrinkly and pink they were about that big and now they're back there rolling their eyes about what i'm talking about and it just happened just like that but time whether we understand it or not it happens it happens quick and we put off decisions that we should make yesterday or the last week to next week well, you know, I need to witness to old so-and-so. I should go by and visit that person. Or maybe I should tighten up how I live. Or maybe I ought to quit doing those habits that nobody knows I have. I'm going to just tell you, time is quick. And James says that your life is like a mist. that is here and it is a vapor and then it's gone. And if you don't understand what that is, get up one early morning and see that little low-lying fog. You see it in the yard, right? And as soon as the sun comes up, it just, it doesn't begin to leave. It's just gone. You can see it, and then you can't see it. And unfortunately, everybody in here is faced with the same thing. Every day we get one closer, one day closer, to whether we leave this planet on our own or Jesus is coming back. So as we sit and face time, which is inevitable, right? We have to make the decision that we are going to live today, for God 
And we're going to make the right decisions today, and we're not going to put off those decisions till tomorrow. We're not going to worry about, well, you know, when I get old and gray and I might change. Well, you might not get old and gray. You might get old and bald. It might, you might not have an opportunity to be gray. I think I could let mine grow for a month. I don't think you could tell I was gray. It would still look bald. But you don't have those opportunities moving forward to push all things for time. Now, look, you might live to be 120 years old. Proud of you. Hope you do. Hope you do. I hope you live to be 120 years old. But it's not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed, not for a single person. <clears throat> yep, can't say that. Ephesians. Um, it's that way. I jumped out of order. I always do. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 15, it says, Be careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most out of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Right? But speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, and sing and make music from the heart, and always giving to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have to worry about today. You know, and I know in our schedules, I mean, I don't know what y'all's looks like, but if I pull up my calendar in my phone, I got something Monday, I got something Tuesday, I got something Wednesday, my Thursday is terrible. I try to keep Friday pretty bare, but I got something Friday, right? And it's not just this week, it's next week and the next week after that, right? I have deadlines and I have stuff that I'm supposed to do for my job, and I'm making plans to do those things. But as far as my salvation and my daily walk, that is something that is tended to today, it cannot be tended to tomorrow. You cannot do today's work tomorrow. You can only do today's work today. So if we're going to get right and set ourselves on a course to be where God wants us to be, it has to start today. Because our time is not guaranteed. And you're busy tomorrow. It's Monday. You don't got time for that on Monday. Or Tuesday, and then that's my second Monday of the week. Or then Wednesday, by the time it's Wednesday, then I'm worried about Friday again. And I know y'all don't. I'm just, it's just me. But the idea of pushing off what God wants you to do. And look, you have a calling on your life. If, if you're part of the body of Christ and you're breathing, you have a calling on your life. You have people to witness to. You have things to do. You have people to pray for. You have people to talk to. You have stuff to do. And I know some of y'all are retired. And then, you know, mom and daddy weren't busy at all until they retired. And now, I mean, I think they were gone six or seven nights this week. I mean, they're busy. They're busy. And I don't care if you... You're 10 or you're 99 or 105. You have things that you're supposed to be doing. And those things are not supposed to happen tomorrow. Well, maybe they are. But you have things that you're supposed to do today. And so as we face time, right, as we face the daily march as it moves forward, as we face the ongoing march of time, we have to make up our mind that we're going to use it as God sees fit. So if you had two days left, are you washing feet? Are you serving food? Are you spending your nights praying? Or are you going to Disney World? Or are you going to the beach? Or are you going wherever? 
And I'm not, ban- I'm not, I, listen, I love to travel and I love to do stuff. I, absolutely. And, and you have to have time to do that as well. I'm just saying, we spend a lot of our time looking and longing for those days. And we miss a lot of the days that we're supposed to be doing stuff here. I had a guy, I listened to a guy not so long ago. It was a, he's a Christian scientist and he not a christian scientist but a christian who is a scientist very very smart guy and he said what you measure your life on is the how your wife meets you at the door how you measure your life is how your children children are today you don't measure your life on the times that you were on the beach at sunset or the times that you were at some great vacation space because those are only a few days of your life your life is lived inside of your house every day and what we do every day affects who we are in christ and we do not have time to kick that can down the road any further it is time for us to straighten up and do what we're supposed to do i don't want to use the term grow up because i'm a kid at heart and i love to play and cut up and act crazy but it is time for us to be mature enough to fulfill who god made us to be and it's not a, well, we'll do it next year. You know, we'll, we'll plan another time. We'll, we'll, we'll go a different time. Or we'll, you know, next time I see them, I might tell them about God. Or maybe there'll be another dinner. Or you know what I mean? I mean, I, it's so important. It's so important to get to getting. And here's why. First Thessalonians Chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, about time and dates, we do not need to write to you. For we know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, just as the labor pains of a baby, and they will not be able to escape. Could happen today. You have people in your life that are waiting on you to share your testimony and your gospel with that might not have tomorrow. And also, if you're watching this here or here or on the internet, you think, well, you know, I can get saved later on in life. We do not have time to procrastinate. Fire insurance, as Granddaddy used to say, is premium because everybody's going to die. But to die without Jesus in your heart, that is something that you will pay for for eternity. And you don't have time. You don't have time to push it off. You don't have time to, well, I'll clean up a little bit and then I'll get right. You know, there was not a single disciple that walked outside and washed their feet off and got kind of clean before they sat down and let Jesus wash their feet. Not a single one. You can't get straight enough for God to love you more than he already does. You can't do anything in your life that earns you a better place at the table. We have salvation because of the gift of grace from God. You don't have to wash up a little bit before the Savior cleanses you. You come nasty and dirty and stink with your toenails not cut. That's how you come. That's how they were. That's how they were sitting there. He washed their feet just how they came. Jesus wants us just how we were. Now, when you make that decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, 
Time will change you, and you will start to develop into the Christian you're supposed to be. And then you should wash. It would be good. It would be better smelling for everybody than if you bathed regularly, renewed your mind, read your Bible, meditated on God's Word. It would have a better, a sweeter aroma. But to start with, He wants you stink and nasty and wrong. Because there's no time like today... There is no time for it to be procrastinated down the road. And look, if you've been a Christian for 50 years or 100 years and you're not living up to where God wants you to be, He wants you to tighten up today. There is no tomorrow. Today is it. So as a church, as a group, as a Christian group, as a family of Christ, we have to come together today and worry about today and read our Bible today, and renew our mind today, and call those people that you're supposed to have been calling. You know you got somebody that you're supposed to have been calling. It ain't just me. You got somebody that has been hanging out that you ain't called them yet. And you're like, well, I don't want to talk to them on the phone. They tell me about all. I don't care what they tell you about. Listen, and then tell them about Jesus. You got them. Ain't just me. You have people in your life that are starving for the gospel, that are starving to hear your testimony, that are standing outside begging for water, and we walk around with it. <clears throat> Jesus said, I was thirsty and you didn't give me anything to drink. I was hungry and you didn't give me anything to eat. I was naked and you didn't give me anything to wear. And they said, Lord, when have you ever been like that? And he said, if you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. Today is the day. There is no time. <clears throat> there is no time. There's no time to procrastinate in the kingdom of God. There's no time to kick the can any further down the road. We have to make a conscious decision that we're going to live according to our calling, and we're going to do exactly what God called us to do. Today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not in the summer when I got more time, not in the fall when it cools down and the kids are back in school, not when it gets close to Thanksgiving, then I'll feed the hungry. It's today. They might not be here then. That opportunity can pass. That vapor could have dried away. It's today. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for your grace and your love and your kindness. Father, we thank you for your salvation that you gave us through your son who died on the cross, Father, and paid our penalty and then was raised from the dead. And we just give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.